Bible podcast. We hope you'll enjoy this message by Pastor Joey Bonifacio. As you know, we've been journeying through five Bible characters who have suffered some form of mental anguish or some emotional setback in their lives. We began with a man named Elijah and talking about his roller coaster ride of his mental and emotional state. We followed that with a woman named Hagar. Last week, we covered the story of David. And today, we will speak of Hannah. And finally, next week, we will talk about Jesus, no less. As you know, I've also made the point that this is not to negate or to invalidate or undervalue the, the importance of science, doctors, and medication. But it is to say that the Bible has a lot to say about this matter of mental and emotional anguish. In fact, the Bible is not just not silent about it. It speaks of God empathizing with us in the matters of this mental and health issues. Today, we're talking about Hannah. And Hannah is uh, unlike David, who had innumerable verses about him. Hannah's story is the shortest. It's found in the book of 1 Samuel and is only covered in a mere two chapters. And her name mentioned only 14 times in the entire Bible. And yet, it is among the most told stories of the Old Testament. And there's a reason for it. The first reason is because of its historical significance. The other reason is because it is a picture of God caring about his people for this reality of mental and emotional anguish. And today, it even becomes more timeless because it deals with this issue front on. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, we see the beginning of the story of Hannah in this book. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. Now, in verse 2, it says he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. This introduces us for the first time, one of the 14 times that her name is ever mentioned. One was called Hannah, but the second one was named Penina. Now, one had children, but Hannah had none. And this was a picture of barrenness at the time, viewed as a curse by many. And to Oman at the time, it had a stinging stigma. Something is wrong with you. In the meantime, this was a matter of great disappointment because obviously every woman was there to be birth. The whole purpose of woman is womb man, a man with a womb, and thus was capable of bearing somebody. Further in verse 3, it says, Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord God Almighty. At Shiloh were Hophni and Phinehas, and the two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Notice the words year after year, and Hannah went with her husband, uh, Elkanah. And in that moment, midst of that disappointment, kept praying and praying and believing, and it just got more frustrating. Disappointment and frustration are real. And they're the emotional bottlenecks that are real in our lives. When these two come together, it is a very rough patch in our lives because our emotions are stuck. Imagine that your soul is a bottle. In that bottle is a desire for adventure, a desire for success, a desire for positivity and to make things happen. It's predicated by joy, peace, and obviously, if you wanted to do something adventurous and successful and positive, you want to have goodness surrounding it. But in the meantime, there's a bottleneck that's causing you from enjoying all of this, and that is disappointment. Things that you wanted to see happen are not happening. And on a continued process of disappointment results in frustration because the thing that you're believing for is not happening. The thing that ensues next is sadness 
and loneliness. The difference between the two is sadness is just that you're sad, and loneliness is when you feel alone nursing this sadness, and the probable result is just downheartedness or outright depression. I'd like to talk to you today about how to declog your emotional bottleneck. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Penina apparently did not like the idea that she was the second wife, and because she didn't have a, a, a child, she kept irritating and provoking her. Now, this disappointment of not having a child can be the kind of stuff that can destroy you, particularly because there is this sense of feeling that this is something that God can do something about and only He can do something about. The question is, why can't I have it? What did I do to deserve this disappointment? And why do others who are seemingly more wicked than I am have it? Further in verse 6, it says, because her womb was closed, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. When our emotional bottleneck is real, what can happen is it can now result in people or things provoking us, irritating us, and aggravating the situation. A delayed answer to prayer, our health, our relationships, our job or money or promotion can cause disappointment and frustration and can easily provoke, irritated, or even aggravated. A good idea to understand this is when, you are, when your phone rings and somebody on the other line says, I'm calling for the White House, and you've been provoked to say, this is not the White House, you got the wrong number. The next thing you know, the same phone rings again, and now he says, oh, I'm, try this is, I'm, I'm trying to look for President Biden, I'm calling the White House, and now you're not just provoked, you're irritated. And finally, the final call, call comes again, this is President Biden, and I'm calling to ask if anybody called for me, and now you've got aggravation. The obvious point here is it's a joke, but the point is this, provoking, Irritating and aggravating happens when we're frustrated and when we're disappointed. Now notice in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? The levels of frustration and disappointment, sadness and loneliness and downheartedness in Hannah's life has resulted in her weeping constantly and not eating. Here's the reason why. Our emotional bottlenecks are real. They can provoke, irritate, and aggravate things for us and they can lead us to sadness and the loss of appetite, as has been proven here in the story of Hannah. The loss of sadness or the, the, the leading to sadness or the loss of appetite as you weep and as you uh, are deprived of joy can lead to even greater extremes of the bottleneck and a trap of sadness, loneliness, and depression. When you feel alone and you feel like there's no way out of your bottle. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8 says, Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Our emotional bottlenecks are real. They can provoke irritation and aggravation, and they can lead us to sadness and a loss of appetite. But worst of all, it can cause us to lose heart. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, that in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much. This weeping of Hannah has caused her to become uh, downhearted, or in other words, to lose heart. To lose heart is to be deeply discouraged. And when that happens, that causes a bottleneck in our emotions that prevent us from fulfilling the destiny that God has for our lives. My first point is simple. Your, there is your emotional bottleneck is real. It can provoke, irritate, and aggravate. It can lead to sadness, loss of appetite, and can cause us to lose heart. The second point is not very far from the first. 
people can aggravate our bottlenecks. Now notice in the story that through a relentless rival, uh, 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 Hannah's life was aggravated and was even worsened. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Because the Lord had caused Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. In short, it was relentless. It wasn't stopping. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her still, and she wept even more, and she still wouldn't eat. Today, you don't really need a rival. There's the, the amalgamation and the number of social media is enough to tell you that there are things out there that can provoke, irritate, and even aggravate our situation by just seeing the different things that people are doing. We're constantly reminded every day that there are people out there that are having things that we can't have, and it's not just every day. In many cases, it's even multiple times in the day. And that's why these days, it's very common to find people who are depressed and people who are having a hard time. That's not to say that there are no physical issues, Sometimes when we overdo the emotional thing, it affects us physically, thereby necessitating intervention from the medical field. But for the most part, people can aggravate our bottlenecks through a relentless rival or through things or people, a friend, a relative, or even a colleague. In fact, it can be aggravated through a loving relationship. This could be a friend. This could be someone who actually loves us, as in the case of Hannah. Notice in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 4, Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. It says that Hannah was special to Elkanah, and he loved her so much that he would actually give her a double portion. Now notice what happens in the next part of the verse. It serves, or in verse 8 rather, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you down, uh, downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? <laughs> now, as great as a loving person can be, sometimes they can be insensitive to know that it's not enough to say these things and they're not doing them a, a bit of help. That my wife often tells me, don't try to fix my problem. I just need you to be there. And sometimes even when a loving person is there, at some level, a loving spouse or person is just not enough they can actually aggravate the situation because the more they try, the more we realize it's not getting fixed. There are just some things that only God can fix. And people can aggravate our bottlenecks through a relentless rival, through a, even a loving relationship, or through an insensitive authority. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, when Hannah kept praying to the Lord, Eli, the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Interesting. What that simply means is she was so bitter that there was nothing inside of her that was coming out vocally or audibly, and yet she was voicing to God how broken her heart was. Next, what happens in the next part of the verses, Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk and put away your wine? <laughs> this is very interesting that the very man of God who's supposed to be sensitive and to be able to help her or the person of authority, could be your boss, could be a doctor, could be somebody that you need at the time that you needed them, was the very person who was actually accusing her. And then some of that word may come out to be, you must have some kind of secret sin. <laughs> and you must, you must be, something is missing in your faith maybe. Or maybe you forgot to obey something. This brings us back to the heart of the message that we started it. How do they clog 
your emotional bottleneck. Our disappointments and our frustrations can leave us with unanswered questions. And as a result of that, sadness and loneliness and depression can move in. But the big mistake is when we try to force things out of our souls because the struggle is real. And the more we try to shake that bottle, we realize it's not coming out. And many times, because of our struggle, we end up destroying our emotions and even our own soul is damaged and harmed. Which brings us to my final point, mastering the power of waiting. Many times, the only way that you can resolve your emotional or mental setbacks is over time and seasons. And the ability to wait properly and mastering the power of waiting. As children, we grow up waiting. Most of our lives are spent waiting. To be a teenager, from a child, we're waiting. I can't wait to be a teenager. Or to go into a party. I can't wait to attend my first party. Or to be able to drive. I can't wait to get my driver's license and drive. We are almost always just waiting. I can't wait to go to college. I can't wait to get out of college. I can't wait to get a job. I can't wait to get a promotion. This is just a short chronicle of the number of times that you and I will find ourselves waiting. When we master the art of waiting, we become able to overcome our disappointments and our frustrations. I can't wait to be in love. I can't wait to get married. And some, I can't wait to get divorced. I can't wait to have children. I can't wait to get get into debt so I can buy a house and a car. I can't wait to get out of debt. I can't wait for the children to leave. I can't wait to retire. I can't even wait to die. For the most part, we are living a life that requires a lot of waiting. And if we're to be smart, And to be able to remove the bottlenecks of our emotions, we need to master the power of waiting. The first point I want to make out of this is waiting for results versus waiting on God. Too often, we're waiting for the result. We're waiting for the job increase. We're waiting for the promotion. We're waiting for the loved one. We're waiting for the appointment. We're waiting for the the results rather than learning to wait on God. Hannah understood this so well. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 15, Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. Here we find this woman who understands the reality of her situation. She was not denying that she had a problem. She was not denying that she had a disappointment. Neither was she denying that she was frustrated. But I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. She was trying to dump her disappointments and frustrations, her sadness, her depression, and her loneliness to God. She understood that that's the only place to go. And when we learn how to do that, when we learn to pour out, we understand the reality that this takes time and it needs to be done daily. And many times when we don't do that, it accumulates and causes a bottleneck. Mastering the power of waiting begins with not waiting for results, but waiting on God. Secondly, impatiently suffering versus character suffering. From the dawn of civilization, we've always tried to measure time. It used to be a sundial or just a measurement of night and day. As time progressed, we measured it through a pendulum that got us tick-tocking and realizing that time is passing, a windy clock, and eventually now the digital age. And for the most part, we think that just because time is passing, that we're losing ground. The reality is when we learn how to wait, not just because we're suffering, but we're suffering so that we can build our character over time, we learn how to master the art of waiting properly for God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, one of my favorite verses of all time, 
not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Here's why. Why do we want to glory in our sufferings? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. For many of us living in this day and age, we think that time just passes and we're just allowing it to pass, and when suffering happens, it's a waste of time. Fact of the matter is, it is suffering that produces character and character hope. If you're to be wise and to master suffering, you need to understand that's the story of the Bible. Whether that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David himself, Hannah, Hagar, all of these things have mastered the art of waiting in the midst of suffering. In fact, they've gone on to believe, as I do, that where there is no suffering, God's probably not there. (laughs) Because God wants us to master the art of waiting on Him and suffering for the sake of character. Finally, my last and final point in mastering the power of waiting is the difference between presentism versus God is present. In recent times, we've been hearing the word presentism. It's not an old word, but it's resurfaced these days because presentism is the doctrine that only the present is real. A lot of people believe that, that the only the presentist thinks that everything is present. In short, what they believe is, generally speaking, necessarily, it is always true that everything is then present. <laughs> That's a lot to say here. Let me explain. Some people think that just because of the present times, these things only exist in the present. Some people believe that slavery and racism only existed in the 1800s, forgetting that as early as 5,000 years ago, slavery has been around and racism has been around. We can see that all throughout history, all throughout the Bible. In fact, it wasn't just the whites enslaving the blacks. Many times in the whole African region itself, the blacks were, ex- were actually enslaving their own people and the Mesopotamians and the Babylonians and the Jews, everybody was doing it. In short, that is presentism. Applying that to our story here, sometimes we think the microwave oven has been around forever. It was only invented in 1944 and made popular in 1965. It's actually younger than I am. And because it's so speedy and fast in cooking things, we think it's been around all day long. Some people believe that electricity has been around for all these centuries, when in reality, it has only become perfected less than 70 years ago, in less than 100 years ago, rather. The book of Psalms, chapter 16, verse 11, gives us the alternative to presentism. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Regardless of what your present circumstance may be, you may have lived 5,000 years ago with electricity, without electricity, with microwave oven, no microwave oven, without a car, with a car, without an airplane, with an airplane, God is present all the time. At your right hand, God, are pleasures forevermore. First Samuel, we find Hannah understanding the reality of this thing. And as she waited on God and mastered that, she saw that in the course of time, there it is, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, the very person who prophesied over David that he would be king because I asked the Lord for him. Further, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, she begins to make a declaration. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He, he lifts the needy from the ash heap, and he seats them with princes as he had, and has them inherit a throne of honor. How do you declog your emotional bottleneck? For first, you must realize your emotional bottleneck is real. It can cause you to be provoked, irritated, and aggravated. 
It can lead to sadness and a loss of appetite, if not outright losing of our hearts. Secondly, people can be the very source of our aggravation through a somebody who's a real rival, a, a relentless rival in our lives, or through a loving relationship, or even through an insensitive authority figure in our lives. But the good news is we can overcome that by mastering the power of waiting, waiting for God, not for results, understanding that character suffering is important and produces perseverance and hope instead of impatiently suffering. And thirdly, living to the presence of God rather than our present presentism. Join me in a short word of proclamation as we proclaim Jesus over our lives and we know that he is here with us. Lord Jesus, thank you that though we have emotional bottlenecks and that they're real and that we can be provoked or irritated and aggravated and this could lead us to sadness and loss of appetite and lose heart, we thank you, God, that even though people may cause these aggravations in our lives, we have you and that we can master the art of waiting for you and not just for the results, for, your, for our character to develop and not just to be impatiently suffer. And thirdly, God, that we may learn your presence instead of our present circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.